The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Time now to welcome back for another edition of the St Albans podcast Film Guide, Howard Linsky. Hello, Howard. Hello, Danny. Nice to be back again, mate. Yeah, good to have you here. Howard Linsky, acclaimed local author. Um, actually, no, he's a, that almost sounds like slightly diminishing of, of well, you. Acclaimed, You're, acclaimed by you. A, acclaimed author people. who happens yeah. to be local. It's not like, you, you know, yeah. I don't want to pe- people to think, oh, he's a local author, I prefer the national ones. You yeah, know? yeah, like Oddie acclaimed in Welling, but nowhere else. Yeah, yeah. I'll get you. You've written a, a plethora of books. They're yeah, available in, in good bookshops and reputable ones. ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that they adorn many a many a charity shop shelf. They do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yes, I mean, unfortunately, sadly, you don't quite have um, a PhD, which it does seem now is increasingly becoming a, a, a requirement for I film know, I hosts. I feel a little bit underqualified to talk about films now that you've got a, a chap with a PhD in film studies. I mean, Craig, you're ramping up the pressure on me now, so I better be good today. I mean, we've got two PhDs among the four of you uh, that okay. host this, because yeah. I mean, what? Yeah. yeah, I mean, admittedly, one is in space sciencey stuff, so I don't think it really counts. Uh, doesn't really. Yeah. Oh, got, a, got a history degree. Yeah. yeah. Is that okay? No. Talk about historical films. Well, you, you do you do crowbar oh, well, them in occasionally, don't you? So yeah, I do a bit. Yeah. Right. Well, just you know, try harder. I'll, I'll, try, I'll, I'll try and ramp up my game. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Howard Howard is here. Good to have you back. Uh, of course and uh, what we do with the film guide if this is the first time you've heard this by the way hello where have you been we've missed you but what we do is we look at Howard's choice of films on free to air TV for the forthcoming week Uh, we also look at uh, new releases uh, on the streaming services uh, and also we have uh, a film we have a section called Too Good To Be Forgotten where where Howard will share a film that is too good to be forgotten and uh, um we, we will find out more about that choice a little bit later but we start things off looking at the cinemas and we're going to be talking about new releases and also a couple of films that are currently out that you've seen Howard yes I mean, because I've whet my own appetite by previewing them all or other people previewing them so in the last week or so I've been to see The Last Jewel and June okay. and uh, I enjoyed them both despite the mixed reviews I thought they were very good The Last Jewel is the Ridley Scott one that is um, all about The Last Jewel where the, the um, husband of a rape victim uh, in the uh, I think the 1300s off the top of my head is uh, fighting a duel against the man who's been accused of it and you get to see it from three different perspectives so we talked quite a bit about it in the, in the past but just to say it's well worth going to see um, it seems to have bombed at the box office so that's probably the death knell of that kind of historical um, mini epic for a while which is a shame because we've just got a very very good job on it um, and I, I would still recommend you want to see it before it peaks out you know the reviews have been I don't know um, I wouldn't say mixed but more or less positive but um, I, yeah, I thought it was well worth seeing and it was uh, very well acted very well written um, June again another one where oh, so just, just before oh, yeah. we move on to June I was just going to say I, so I'd heard that some people were quite critical of this film um, mm. I, I wondered how much of that was to do with the fact that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck were involved with writing of the screenplay and it does seem there's a little bit of um, ill will toward Probably, stuff yes. that Ben Affleck does in particular. Yeah, he's not, he gets ripped a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think his work is a bit mixed. If you look, if you want to be polite about it, look back. Some, he's done some extremely good stuff and some fairly frothy uh, stuff that wasn't very yeah. good. Uh, but I think he was good in this. Um, he, he plays a sort of villainous uh, duke. I think it's the, uh, the, the you know it's a French it's a French setting, but he's kind of like a duke. And uh, he's very good in it. And Matt Damon's very good. I think Matt Damon's more or less good in everything. I think all these Hollywood stars, they know what they're doing. They tend to get, um, uh, you know, a few brickbats thrown at them for, for not doing... I mean, you know, I think uh, with, with Matt Damon in this one, 
he took out a rule that wasn't a typical Matt Damon rule. It wasn't a, a born identity thing. He was He's a bit um, of a mixed character. He's not the villain of the piece as such, but he is the controlling husband of Geordie Coleman. And she's definitely the strong heroine character of the movie. She's the, if you're looking for the hero of the movie, it's her character. She's a great actor. She's isn't really she? good, isn't she? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so yeah. I, I, saying about the, the, the reception that this film's received, I was also surprised though to see that on IMDb, it, the rating is 7.7 .7 out of 10, which is actually yeah, quite high, very good, yeah. given that it's a film that's seemingly been panned, yeah. but, but the, their rating is based on user users, not based on what critics... So other ag aggregators like, is it Rotten Tomatoes? Yes, so uh, the difference between the critics and the people who actually go and see the movies is yeah. often... The critics can be quite harsh, I think, but... This was also it was based on a book that was heavily researched. It's a, a historical novel, and um, you know the, the accuracy of the, the, the historical representation on screen is very good. And I also know because I've got a history degree. I don't know if I mentioned that. You know, <laughs> keep up with but, the PhD. But, but, but not a PhD though. <laughs> just a, just no, an honest not, degree. Not a PhD. Just no. just a history. Actually, it's a history and politics degree. So right. joint. Okay. Just to live at the points. Yeah. Like, I've got some yeah. qualifications. Yeah. Right. Okay, uh, moving did, on. Moving did a politics on. degree just to labour the point? Was that a little part? Oh, I like it. It's very good. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We so need someone in the background playing drums with a cymbal whenever you make a joke like that. <laughs> I can mix that in later. <laughs> anyway, the last duel uh, was one of the films that you've been to see. So you're yeah. saying ignore the critics. You yeah. think this is quite good. Yes. If uh, As usual, the qualifying thing is if you like that kind of thing. So if you're into Hollywood rom-coms, you're probably not going to want to see The Last Duel. But if you like a bit of history, you like a tense plot and well acted well written you'll like the last year okay uh, so that's the last year now tell us about dune dune is another one that depending on the reviewer is either a sweeping magnificent spectacle or uh, a boring dud now i went there with an open mind and i really quite enjoyed it my daughter enjoyed it less i think possibly my age was on my side because i was capable of sitting through something that took a little while to evolve um it's kind of real <laughs> nerve so that's right. Because I'm sabotaging the scenery. Yeah, yeah, just, with just a sweep of my arm. That's it. Yeah, he's he's gesticulating and it's making all sorts of noises. I don't know why I'm gesticulating. Nobody can see me except you sitting opposite me. So that was a waste of waste of a gesture. Yeah. But anyway, June sweeping. Um, it looks magnificent. It sounds fantastic. There's a really good soundtrack. Um, good acting. It's got a great it's a cast. Slow it? Bird, fabulous cast. Yeah. You know, I didn't realise yeah. this. I knew that Timothy Chalamet is in it, playing the part that Carl McLaughlin played right. in the original movie yeah, yeah. Um, but but you got Oscar Isaac Rebecca Ferguson Zendaya yeah. Jason Momoa Stellan Skarsgård Josh Brolin uh, Javier Bardem Dave yep. Bautista the, the Charlotte Ramplin there's loads of no, names in this they're all good and I'm going to I'm going to say something controversial here we'll probably burn down the house people will chase me down the street it's the thinking man's Star Wars Drop that one. Drop See, the mic. That's, that, but, but I believe that that's not exactly controversial insofar as I think the original one was described in a similar way. The, the, the oh, um, David Lynch. Funny enough, I've never seen that one. It was much panned at the time, wasn't it? And they, they say it's unfilmable, but it's quite a complicated story, so they have to unfold it. I yeah. think if you like Villeneuve's um, Blade Runner follow up, mm. then you'll very much like this. But again, that had mixed reactions. I liked it. It was quite long. It was quite slow, but it looked amazing. Yeah, and I thought it was an interesting plot. And he's—I mean, he's done some very interesting films. Um, Arrival as well, another mm. great sort of sci-fi kind of thing, um, which which was great. And his films are very visually stunning. Yeah, they look good. They sound amazing when you're in a cinema, in particular, uh, because he, he cares about that sort of thing. And uh, I think he's a very talented director. But so I would I would cautiously recommend this one. But again, it is right. You're either going to love it or. It's not your cup of tea, but if you like sci-fi, you like a bit of 
dystopian stuff, yeah. then this is possibly for you. And a lot's been put into this because this is yeah. now a, a new franchise, isn't it? Because well, there's a sequel. The there? sequel has not yet been greenlit, and they're waiting to see if it does well. So you'd be a bit gutted if you watched this and then it wasn't. But I understand, unlike the last duel. June is doing well at the box office. Yes, so, so it's probably going to go ahead with the second. Yeah, and, and yes, yeah, so according to my information, originally this was called June Part June Part One. Yeah, and they dropped the Part One um, for probably a couple of different reasons, but but perhaps not least just in case. Yeah, well, also you wouldn't necessarily be attracted to a poster that said Part One of anything, really, yeah. would you? <laughs> you know? Probably, probably um, not. If you didn't know it, yeah. like Star Wars Part One, you could get away with these days, but. Uh, you know, anything else, you think, well, part one, why Well, The Godfather wasn't The Godfather Part One, no. but there was The Godfather Part Two. True. But they, yeah, the first one wasn't called that. Um, it does look like it has entered pre-production, ah, the second so they, one. They've given it the green light in the last week or two, then, yeah. And there's a TV series, which um, uh, Denis Villeneuve, is, uh, he's the director of the pilot. Oh, okay. There's going to be there's a TV series that's you, been. You, um, you said that like you were on first name terms with him. Now he's Denny Fielder. You know he's like mates or something. Yeah, but me and Denny. Oh, uh, <laughs> me and Denny. Yeah, we don't we don't see Joe as much as you know. Yeah, like, well he's busy. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, he does. That's what he keeps telling me. But you know, if you believe that. Um, anyway, that's uh, that's that's June. That's the other film that you have seen. That's, yes, that's out we, now. We haven't even reached the new releases, but no. these two are still out there. And the Bond film we both enjoyed as well, didn't we? So I haven't seen it yet. Oh, you haven't? Oh, no. Right. Someone ruined it for me. I was in a coffee shop no. the other day, and they ruined the ending. Oh. And, and and I wasn't even with them. They were sat on another table. Oh, that should be a Jill. And it was an, it was an older lady who couldn't keep quiet. And the person sat with her went, "Shh, you shouldn't say that. People here oh. may not have seen it." And she went, "Oh, I'm oh. sure they all know." Oh no, no. Oh. Yeah. So I won't ruin it for people, but it turns you, out it was all a dream and he was in the shower. Yeah. And did you carry out a citizen's arrest on the old lady and march her from, frog march her from the coffee house? I wouldn't. No, 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 no one's seen her since. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, you weren't going to see her no more. No. Anyway, um, let's let's look at these new releases. There's a yes. couple of, couple, okay. well, a couple of really kind of interesting films coming out. Yes. So the, the, the first one I've gone for, the big one, the budget one, is from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I feel less than qualified to comment on, but uh, I'll give it my best. <laughs> yeah, shot. you don't have a PhD in the Marvel no, Cinematic Universe. Hello, I don't even have a degree in it. Either. Hello, Tim. He's going to think we're mocking him. He's never going to come back. No, I'm just intimidated. It's uh, intimidated. That's the word, Tim. I'm not mocking you. At intimidated. All. But I, I know that Tim's Tim. going to be. Uh, in, oh, I like Tim. Intimidated. Intimidate. Oh, oh, my word! Is this my con? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Hello? I'm concentrating hard. You see. So. <laughs> Too hard for the nuances. Yeah. But yes, I'm, I'm sure Tim will tell me I've got this horribly wrong. But the Eternals is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I believe it's number 26 in the franchise. Sounds, sounds about right. Sounds about right, anyway. And it's about a race of immortal beings with superhuman powers who have lived on the Earth secretly for thousands of years. Now, they're returning, sorry, reuniting rather, to battle the evil deviants. Now, who are they? Okay, so 7,000 years ago, a godlike race called Celestials created both the Eternals, who are these immortal humanoid beings with superpowers, and the Deviants, who are near-immortal, monstrous aliens. Now, while the Celestials chose to choose to create the Deviants as well, I guess we just have to gloss over and accept, because why would you? But anyway. It's probably explained somewhere in the movie. Probably, yes. Well, let's hope so. I've glossed over. There's also a good bit on the trailer where they sort of explain why they didn't do anything when Thanos was involved, clicking his fingers and ribbon and everything, and... Um, they're not allowed to intervene when humans are at war, but obviously Thanos is not a human, so they had to kind of do do a bit of a like a, oh yeah, anyway, we're allowed to intervene except when, and then they sort of go into that because they have to explain it. Yeah. A bit of exposition there early on, I think, in the movie. Okay. Anyway, this has not got marvellous reviews, I have to say. It's probably one to go and enjoy. 
uh, maybe not expect too much from. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, two out of five stars seems to be the average from what I've been reading. Yeah, I mean, going back to the IMDb rating thing, this is only got 5.8, which oh, is okay. quite low. This, I mean, so, I mean, people have said so far that, that Marvel have not put a foot wrong with their movie. Their every, you know, 25 previous movies that they've released now in this franchise, the biggest franchise they get, I mean, it rivals now the number of Bond films, wow. but that's over 60 years. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and is it 60, something like that? 59 yeah, years, yes. isn't it? 60 yeah. next year. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, Marvel have done a fantastic job. Yeah. And, you know, I guess it stands to reason that there might be one that maybe is just a little bit wobbly compared to the others. Yeah, I mean, as again, we're, we're previewing it, we haven't seen it. Yes. Yeah. The reviews we're getting back is that it's maybe not that amazing. It's directed by uh, Chloe Zhao. It's got Angelina Jolie in it, Jammer Chan, yeah, I mean, Richard Madden as well. Oh, Game, Game of Thrones, Game of Richard Thrones Madden. And the bodyguard, yeah. so, you know, he's quite popular. It's actually got quite a few, from, as, as most films have, but it's got a few Game of Thrones people in it, hasn't it? Um, Kit Haring, Game of Thrones, Kit Harrington's in it as well. Oh, yes, of course. I forgot they were in the Game of Thrones together on that yeah, one. So yes, yeah, they're, yes. they're brothers, aren't they? They were in, uh, yes, in... in you know, yeah, yeah, not they, in real life. Yeah, yeah no, clearly. <laughs> they, were, they were in the Northern Kingdom, were they not? Yeah, they're yeah, Stark yeah. brothers. And, uh, well, know, he was uh, Kit Harrington was um, the illegitimate um, right. one, yeah. wasn't he? But he was John, John Snow. Yeah, you know nothing, John Snow. Yeah, that one. Yeah, and Richard Madden was the uh, the, the favoured elder son who tried to um, get, get vengeance for his father and take over the kingdom. But I'm not going to give you any spoilers. No, but they all die. Oh, so everyone died at the end of Game of Thrones, didn't they? Oh, Except for the little one, and and the 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 was it Robson and Jerome one? He didn't die. <laughs> yes, yes, I know exactly who you mean. Yeah, you can't just say Jerome. No one knows who you mean. You say yeah, Robson yeah. and Jerome, and then they yeah, get that's it. That's it, exactly. Yeah. Jerome Flynn. Yeah, soldier, soldier, and all that. Absolutely, yeah. that was singing squaddy himself. Indeed. But but anyway, so uh, the Eternals. It, I mean, it's it's got a great cast. It's yeah. it's Marvel, so it's got a good pedigree. Sama Hayek's in it as well. Yeah, Sama Hayek. Exactly. I mean, I would imagine that you probably go for this with low expectations and come out thinking actually that was quite entertaining. Yeah. But I'm only guessing at this stage so I've not seen the last couple of um, Marvel movies uh, to, to my shame I've seen most of them um, right. but I think the last couple so I guess the last year's worth of them I haven't seen the Black Widow one um, yeah I enjoyed the Black Widow one it was good fun again it passed the 15 year old daughter test she enjoyed it too um, I haven't seen the one that, is it Venom that we talked about the other day that's apparently strictly speaking not part of this oh, it's okay. a different franchise oh, but, but no I, yeah, but Venom is a is a Marvel superhero just not right. from but this statement. Gosh, yes. There was, the things that get debat- debated quite, um, or it's probably endlessly as to whether things fit in yeah. the canon. See, if, 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 we had a, if we had a Marvel doctor here right uh, now... If it, only we had someone here who knew what he was talking about, we'd be able to uh, get yeah. a decision on that one. Um, but, but anyway, that's The Eternals, yeah. Okay. Um, so, um, but that's that's one of the new releases. Uh, now, the next yeah. one, very different style completely, because this is something of a historical biopic. It is. So, it's set in 1991. It's called Spencer. So, there's a clue in the title. It's about uh, Diana. Well, oh. she wasn't Lady Diana Spencer in 1991. No. She was married. So, anyway, she's played this time by Kristen Stewart, who... Um, became famous through Twilight, but to be fair to her, has done a lot of good stuff since then, almost as penance, to show that she can really do proper movies, if you like, proper acting. That's so, that seems to be the way they go when they do these big franchises. Yeah, well, when she first came onto the scene, I saw something written down about her, and it said Kristen Stewart, and I thought it said from Twiglet, because <laughs> I misread it. And I'm thinking to myself, was she in the adverts or something? Did she do the voice oh, of really? the... And I'm thinking, oh, she's quite versatile. She used to be a twiglet. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Timothy Spall's in, it, in, a, in a supporting role as well. It basically features uh, one um, snapshot of, of life, I think, from when she was part of the royal family, which is a, a Christmas holiday 
when it all starts to tumble down. And there's lots of debate about, you know, should she leave? Should she stay? Whose fault is it? Um, should you know they won't change, Diana? You have to change that kind of advice. Um, what what the, the clash between personal happiness and duty, which we saw reflected over a number of years with their marriage. Um, and if you've seen The Crown, um, this is even you know the dramatic sense. This is quite familiar territory. Yeah. And if you like Diana and you or you like Kristen Stewart, it seems to have done a fairly good job of pulling off the um, I was going to say impression of Diana, but you know you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. Portrayal the role of Diana. Caricature. Yeah. It's better than I expected it was going to be because we quite often when you get an American actor doing. Um, you know the English accent they take a dialogue coach and it doesn't go very well but she seems to have done it uh, pretty well it looks like her sounds like her um, yeah it, you know it, we, we're getting a lot of Diana stuff there was Diana the musical just a couple of months ago we were talking about um, next year is the 25th anniversary of her uh, death is that right yeah, wow I believe. yeah so yeah it, it's interesting as well when they take well. some of these things from, from our recent history and Often it seems to me like they do focus on a week or on a few yes. days that were that were pivotal. There's a microcosm of the whole thing. Yeah. Really. yeah, I sometimes wonder how factual that really is. That whether they they shoehorn a lot into those few days or that week for dramatic purposes. I think they have to, and I think it's interesting that the Crown get accused a lot of making things up. But I'm like, my simple answer to that is, you have to. They were not there. Yeah. So if you know that. Also, it's not a documentary. It's drama. No, exactly. So if you know that Diana um, went to um, have a Christmas holiday with the royal family. And you can tell by the look on her face when she emerges, it didn't go well. Well, you're not privy to the conversations, are you? So you're going to have to make that up. Yeah. And you could probably, what you would do is you would you would look at all of the information we have about that marriage and you would put the dialogue accordingly. Yeah. You, you could probably guess Prince Charles' view on the way his wife was behaving and her view on him. Yeah. And that's how you write the drama. And, and, and yeah, and also remember that it is, as we said, it's a drama, it's not a documentary. Some of these things they're going to, they will have improved. They would have changed for dramatic purposes Correct. because if you sat through something that was just historically accurate, you might have thought, "Well, that was a bit dull." Incredibly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. They but, have to put a lot into a short period of time as well. Yeah. So that's Spencer. That's yes. the second of the three new releases. The third one, the Card Counter. The Card Counter. Yes. Um, the only thing I didn't like about the Card Counter, having read about it in advance, was that the main character is called William Tell, which seems a bit odd. Particularly, we we know that William Tell is a historical figure, but also a Tell. Is a, is a poker phrase, isn't it? It's something that um, you use in cards, so it's a bit obvious to call him Tell. Anyway, he is played by a very good actor, Oscar Isaac, and the chap in question is a gambler and a former serviceman who tries to stop and reform a young man who is seeking revenge on a mutual enemy from their past. Now, from the trailer, which is the only bit I've had the chance to see so far, it looks as if that person was responsible for um, Oscar Isaac's character, William, being in prison for quite a considerable number of uh, years. He got a 10 year sentence. Um, and when he comes out, he's um, somewhat oddly, behaves rather oddly, he's a bit damaged. He has a very minimalist existence. He goes from motel to motel and he gambles. But then what's strange is when he arrives at a new place, he wraps all the furniture up with like a, like a material. Rather like when you put dust sheets on a house and leave it. Right. You see him doing this, taping the mini bar and taping the chair and everything but the bed. You're saying that like it's weird, don't you do that? When, well, I, I, whenever I go to a I, travel lodge... If I have time, obviously I'll tape every piece of furniture. In yeah. there, but, uh, Just in case it yeah. becomes a crime scene later. Well, that's a good point. That's what my nan always told me. <laughs> your, your nan sounds like an impressive lady. Ah, yeah. I'm, very, I'm very impressed by that attitude. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he's... Uh, uh, the, the other um, uh, interesting thing about it is the director is Paul Schrader, who um, was well known for having done... Well, directed quite a lot of movies, but also written some... Uh, Raging Bull, for one, 
and taxi driver. So he's got that kind of, um, he's very interested in masculinity, um, solitary characters, the demons that drive them, all that kind of thing. I, I say all this without the PhD in film studies, however, <laughs> that was my interpretation of his work over the years. He um, does seem to do that kind of movie. Yeah, I'm just looking at the list of films he's written. American yeah, Gigolo, he wrote yeah. um, The Mosquito, Mosquito Coast. That's right. Um, wow. Harrison Ford. Yeah. yeah. Um, City Hall, which I think was um, Al Pacino. It was, yeah. Yeah. You know, he's, yeah, he's, he's written quite a few. So he, of he does the vulnerable and angry fellas uh, quite well. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, it looks good, it looks intriguing. Um, I guess the, 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 the proof will be in watching it and uh, sitting down and going through the whole thing as to whether it has a, a, a suitable conclusion. Yeah. It's got Willem Dafoe in it. Okay. Uh, and uh, Tiffany Haddish, who's a name that doesn't ring a bell. I she's a newcomer, but I haven't seen her in anything personally. But uh, I forgot to check her on Wiki, I'm afraid. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, Tiffany cool. Haddish uh, has done, um, yeah, yeah, sort of more recent films perhaps films that you wouldn't know but maybe your daughter might ah oh, there you go um, yeah. so and I'm saying that with the full confidence of having IMDB in front of me yes exactly uh, that's why I'm yeah. nodding over at you because I know you have she, all this she was it recently well if, if you sat in the other chair you could have as well but we did multitask no of course not <laughs> um, yeah but yeah she was in Girls Trip and Night School and Like a Boss and uh, oh, yeah. Keanu um, so various films that people might have heard yes, of. it's probably no wonder I've missed those <laughs> not really aimed at us no, um, fair enough. Yeah. But anyway, that was intriguing. So we've got three good new releases. I said good in the sense we haven't seen them yet, but they look no. interesting. At least. Uh, notable. Notable, I like it. Those yes. are notable new releases. Uh, yes. And when we come back, we'll be looking at some uh, releases on streaming services. Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast a weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. Let's take a look now at the streaming service releases for the week, and I believe that we're just looking at um, two that are coming out uh, on Amazon Prime. That's right. right. We've got two this time. I mean, after a, quite a long period where there was either nothing or just one, uh, at least when I was up to, to uh, review stuff. So I think got... it's I think it's partly to do with the fact that cinemas have reopened, so yes. fewer films are being released. Although Amazon, in particular, are makers of films as well as redistributors of them so they so are. these are perhaps movies that they have made themselves so they do want to release on their own service yeah and there's confusion about release dates as well because what you find is that they want a cinematic release in order to qualify for awards so that that becomes problematic because you see a release date that was back in September or something and then it's the Amazon release date in November so um, yeah sometimes you've got to do a bit of digging to find out what exactly is coming out this week but <clears throat> we have two uh, both on Amazon Prime uh, the first one is The Marksman which is an action thriller film directed by Robert Lorenz. The plot follows a rancher and former Marine, Liam Neeson, who is living in an Arizona border town. And he helps a young boy who is basically an illegal immigrant. The guy comes over with his, his mum. They're escaping from a Mexican drug cartel. When the mother is killed, he has to flee with the boy. Um, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's described as formulaic, as if that's quite negative by some of the reviews. But <coughs> you know what you're getting with this? It could have been played by 
Clint Eastwood and was directed by a guy who was directed to Clint Eastwood in the past. So a younger Clint Eastwood would have walked into this role and now Liam Neeson's the right age for it. He plays a slightly old, grizzled um, former, uh, you know, uh, former Marine with a drink uh, problem because don't they always in these movies? You know, they make drink look glamorous. Yeah. And, um, and he's, not, he's got nothing to lose, so he tries to help the boy. Okay. So, yeah, the, um, uh, <coughs> this, the director there, um, Robert Lorenz, um, uh, he was the... He's worked... Wow, he's worked on a lot of Clint Eastwood movies. Uh, I see yeah. that he's Let's an assistant... Yeah, he was an assistant director or second unit director on an awful lot of uh, Clint Eastwood's movies. So he's clearly learned from, from a master at, at this sort of thing. Um, and, yeah, he directed one of Clint Eastwood's <coughs> previous... Um, uh, recent um, acting things. So you know, he he did um, Gran Torino, and he kind of oh, yeah. at the time said, you know, like that was it. That was his last role in front of a camera. He keeps coming back and doing other ones. Yeah, he does. And, and he the first one he came back and did after he said he was retiring from acting was Trouble with the Curve, which was directed by Robert oh, Lawrence. There you go. Um, but uh, but I, in fact, talking to Clint Eastwood, uh, he's got a film that comes out in about a week or two called Cry Macho, which he's starring in as well as directing. He's and he's ninety-one now. Really? Wow. It's, it's something like that. It's, <coughs> it's yes, yeah, very much so. Um, but but that's not not talking about Clint Eastwood. We are talking about uh, Liam Neeson. Um, well, I just think it's worth saying the point that, that when <coughs> the marksman is formulaic, well, yes, it is, and that's kind of what people. That it, it's giving you what you would want from that movie, really. I think if you if you've got that process, you you kind of know what you're getting. Grizzled old man trying to save a kid from ruthless Mexican uh, drug dealers. Um, yeah, we know what's going to happen, kind of. I mean, you could probably write it on the back of a, uh, a bigger map. But, but isn't that, like, throughout history, what, what drew, <coughs> drew people to the cinema? People would see John Wayne and they think, yes. right, well, I know what's going to happen here. He's going to be a cowboy, he's going to be the hero. Exactly. And, and this is a Western in another form, in a way. Yeah. You know, because it's the man's got to do what a man's got to do. Yeah. Uh, he's protecting someone weaker than himself against overwhelming odds. So you're talking Magnificent Seven, Shane, High Noon, all that, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and people, you know, the formula works. Yeah. So I think to say something's formulaic is a lazy insult, if that's what they mean by it. Well, I think with reviewers, I mean, we're, we're, we review, but we review with a certain amount of affection, whereas reviewers kind of compare everything to the uh, to Akira Kurosawa, don't they? They, they want to be... They can be a bit pretentious, yes. can't they? And, and I'm just, what I'm, so the point I'm making is you get what's on the tin here, just what it says on the tin, the master. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you like that kind of thing, you will like that kind of thing. There you go. That's uh, that's the marksman. That's one of two uh, yes. releases. Uh, the second one, the electrical life of Louis Wayne. Yeah, this is an unusual one. I've never heard of Louis Wayne. I admit this. Um, but then I hear Benedict Cumberbatch is playing him in a biographical drama film. So I did a bit of uh, digging to find out who he was, and uh, he was an English artist who was best known for his drawings, which featured anthropomorphised large-eyed cats and kittens. Now, I had to Google anthropomorphised because it's not a, a word I've used in my books, but it means you make them look like humans. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Walk around, wear clothes. Like dogs playing snooker, <coughs> that sort that of thing. Funny enough, that was the first thing I thought of because a club I used to drink in had dogs playing snooker, that famous picture. <laughs> yeah. I used to love it. Um, yeah. You know, or pool or whatever it was. But, yeah. uh, it was right above the pool table. <coughs> it was very funny. Yeah, that, 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 yes, that, that's how I know what that word is. It's, I always think of that picture of them playing, yeah, playing pool or whatever. It's the best example of the uh, the kind of art. Yeah. And then he was uh, diagnosed with schizophrenia <coughs> and confined to mental institutions. And, and there's a local link here, isn't yes, there? Yes, I, I found that when I was researching him because he ended up in some horrible places and then it was an outcry because his work was so popular that even the Prime Minister at the time got involved. And in 1930, he was transferred to Napsby Hospital near St Albans. And they describe it on the thing as 
Knapsbury was relatively pleasant with a garden and a colony of cats. So he spent his final 15 years there in peace drawing his cats. So that is basically his life. The, the story um, uh, illustrates the fact that uh, Benedict Cumberbatch playing this guy who lives with his sisters, none of whom ever married, and, he, and, and their mother. They all live together. He eventually marries their governess, who's 10 years older than him, played by Claire Foy. Uh, Andrea Riseborough is in it as well, who's always excellent. And Toby Jones, who's again one of those actors that seems to be in everything, but he's very good, okay. so we'll forgive him. J but, just in um, case we get anybody writing in, it can't be a fine thing, but um, yeah, locals sometimes get all like protective over stuff like this. Naxby Hospital was in St Albans. Oh, okay. um, but it was right, but it was, it was near London Colney, um, and, right. and there are some who would say London Colney is in St Albans, and some who say it isn't. Gotcha. But, yeah. but yeah, if if you believe that that's not in St Albans, it's not. But if you think oh right. yeah that was, it is. Just I, I'm just going to play the accent card here to show that I wasn't brought up here with that kind of knowledge deeply embedded in me. <laughs> it's, it's right off of the North Orbital, across from Aylett Nurseries, basically. Oh, okay. If if oh. if you know where that is, that that's where Natsby Hospital yeah, was. So it's nice that, that after a public campaign, they sent him to St Albans. Yeah. It was nicer. And of course it is, so yeah, there you go. Yeah. But anyway, I think the whole point of this movie, from what I've seen of the trailer and read about it, is it shows that this guy had a very interesting way of looking at life, <clears throat> thought differently, partly because of his schizophrenia, but partly because of his personality and his background, and he ended up creating art that lots of people remembered. Okay. So there you go, he's quite an influential guy, by all accounts. Yeah, hardly a stretch though for Benedict Cumberbatch to play somebody that's slightly eccentric no. and a little bit odd. No, I mean, he's very prolific, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. I get the impression he just looks at a script, remembers it, wanders on stage, off he goes. <laughs> yeah, so but it, it, it just seems like, like <coughs> that character you've just described there is also a little bit like his interpretation of Sherlock Holmes. It is, yes. Um, yes. But, uh, but no, he's a, yeah, obviously a fine actor. He's um, yeah. But uh, yeah, <coughs> and eventually prolific. Yeah. Interesting uh, cast again as well. You, you mentioned Claire Foy, uh, Richard yep. Ayoade's in there. I can never say his name properly. Gosh, that was no. close, wasn't I it? I think you were better than I would be. It's yeah. so well done. Um, yeah, Richard Ayoade. Mm. Um, Asim Chowdhury is um, somebody who, who sort of crops up in a lot of TV stuff, mm. a comedian um, and actor as well. In uh, Toby Jones, um, you know, some interesting faces in there. And yeah. Yeah, look, looks quite good. So do look that one out. That's on um, Amazon Prime. That yes, on from Friday. Yes, well, that's on there now. Oh yes, because yes, this is Friday, from, of course. From today. I yeah. Mean. yeah. Yes, obviously. Although, <coughs> yeah. although, if you're listening to this on Saturday, then it's also yeah. today. That's a good point. And yes. if, do you know what? There could be people listening to this long after we're dead. Yes. That, that, in which case, hopefully, it's still on there. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, <laughs> Amazon only lives. Amazon, be, Amazon and the cockroaches. <laughs> that's all that'll be left. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong there. <laughs> anyway, we'll be back with uh, another um, selection for Howard's uh, Good Too Good to Be Forgotten next. The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St. Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Time now for another film that is too good to be forgotten, according to Howard Linsky, and he knows. So, what is the film this time? Okay, this one I've got for a German film. It's called The Lives of Others, and it's from 2006, so it's 15 years old. Um, and it was very highly critically acclaimed at the time. I loved it. Um, sometimes the critical acclaim and me loving it doesn't necessarily go together because, you know, you, someone says, oh, it's an amazing foreign film. I'm like, it's either going to be incredibly pretentious and I won't understand a word of it, or it'll hook me. This one hooked me. Um, it features um, the uh, situation in East Germany in 1984, where obviously before the Berlin Wall came down and before the Soviet Union collapsed, East Germany was run by, effectively run by the Stasi, or at least it was run by the communists using the Stasi to spy on everybody. So it's um, a very clever movie, it takes a while, in a good way, it takes a while to unfold. You have Stasi agents spying on a guy 
who is um, uh, he's involved in the theatre, so he's a playwright, and he's played by Sebastian Koch, who you might have seen in other stuff. I think he's in Homeland, for one, but also a couple of movies I've seen him in. But anyway, um, the the rest of the the cast, um, it's uh, the agent who is um, particularly prevalent because you follow his story as well is Ulrich Muir, the Stasi Captain Gerd Wiesler. And the more he spies on the people he is tasked to ruin, the more he starts to understand them and their foibles as well. So it's a little bit of grey area coming in that, that um, <clears throat> obviously he's representing an evil empire, he's a, not a very nice part of that evil empire, but also the people he spies on are flawed as well. Um, and I think if I was to tell you any more than I might kind of spoil it. Okay, well, leave, it's, leave it at it's that. Got, I will just, one last thing I would say. One of the best endings in cinema history. Oh, oh, that's oh, saying something. Drop the mic. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, this this is a, as you say, a critically acclaimed film. According to IMDb, it is their one of their top rated movies. They, I think they have a top two hundred and fifty movies uh, as rated by the users of that website. We mention them a lot. We don't get sponsored by them, uh, but they are. Should, should be. What's should, wrong with them? Yeah. Send us some We're money. We're out here struggling. It's owned by Amazon though. There, there's some little online shop thing. They're probably struggling. They probably haven't got any money yeah. to spare. Too, too busy se- sending nonagenarians up into space. Exactly. Yeah. There yes. you go. Hello, it's William Shatner, if you're listening. <laughs> um, but yeah, the um, the, the film uh, is re- it's 57 in their right. in their list of of the top movies of all time. It's absolutely brilliant. I, I'm so. You know, it was one of those where you sit down and I'll keep an open mind, I'll watch this and sometimes you can be halfway through and think, no, this isn't doing it for me, but that one I really, really enjoyed. So much so that when I was writing this, I thought, I've got to watch this again because I've only ever seen it the once. And it's partly because the ending is, I find it really moving, the ending, and I don't normally get that with movies. Okay. So, yeah. It um, it also won an Oscar for Best yes, Foreign Language Film and it won a, the, the BAFTA as well for, for the same thing. Uh, so uh, it's it's you know couldn't be more acclaimed than no, that. No, no, but I, I would say it's probably not that widely well known. I mean, I, have you had a chance to see it at all, or have you heard of it? I've heard of it, right. but but I couldn't tell you much about it. Um, so yeah, um, but but it sounds intriguing, and it's yeah. it's now on my list. Um, something I have found, dear listener, is that Howard tends to recommend pretty good films. Oh, and in the last, I don't know, six months or so, some of the best films I've watched have been recommended by you. Oh, thank you, mate. Well, um, that's good to know. Yeah, so um, what was that one? And I forget, the, is it The Secrets in Her Eyes? Or The Secret in Their Eyes? Or Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, uh, it is The Secret in Their Eyes. Is it in, Spanish? Was yes. it Spanish language? And I, I'm trying to think. Cause, um, it's also been remade in, uh, in Hollywood, and I didn't watch that because... Uh, the sec- I think it's the secret in her eyes, isn't it? And again, that has a fantastic ending. It's um, about um, guys looking back into an old cold case of murder and who may have done it in the Franco era. Um, is it the secret in their eyes? I'm, I'm trying to... Se- the secret in their eyes. There you go, secret in their eyes. Yeah. In the end. But um, yes, that is well worth it. So, so I would kind of almost class those two movies... I think they both came out roughly the same time and they were the best foreign movies I saw in that decade. And they both had really dramatic endings, or, or rather, the the ending for um, uh, you know for the for the secret in their lives was was dramatic and made you sort of go wow. Whereas the ending for the lives of others, I just think was was moving. You know, it was tropical. Yeah, do, do you know what? That something that was I, oh dear me, our throats are all going. Okay, oh, crook. It must be dry in here. <coughs> well, I keep saying we should do this in the pub. Yeah. Uh, yeah okay um, no but the um, the, the secret the, the, it was remade as Secret in Their Eyes with Chiwetel Legia for Nicole Kidman and Julia Roberts I saw that film right and I did not when I saw the original 
I didn't think I've already seen this. It, to me, they felt so different. Yeah, I mean, I, I quite often don't watch the remakes of things where they're classic old British things like Get Carter or whatever, I'll try and avoid the Hollywood version. Yeah. Because usually, again, the reviews are pretty poor and I think you're just going to ruin this for me and I'll let the original. I saw, I, but I saw the, the remake first, you right. see, and, and didn't know, I didn't realize couldn't really remember much about it, so clearly it was not that memorable no, a film to me. I wonder if the ending was different as well, because it's the ending that really strikes you with that one. Yeah, but it's certainly... About, it's about justice, really, as much as anything, I think. But your recommendation there was, was, was spot on, and, and now The Lives of Others has also made my list. Uh, yeah, there you go, check it out if you can, yeah. Okay, when we, when we return we'll be looking at uh, Howard's Choice of Films on Free2Air TV for the week ahead. Hi, I'm Elspeth Jackman inviting you to listen to my podcast One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated, so will you be. Each week I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's One to One with Elspeth, part of the St Albans podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know, you could be my next guest. Do you ever get one of those days when nothing quite goes right? Yeah, welcome to today. Anyway, uh, this is the point now where we look at Howard's choice of films on free-to-air TV for the week ahead. And we start off with uh, Friday the uh, 5th of November, uh, 4.25pm on Great Movies Action, Waterloo. Yes. Now, you know that phrase, uh, they don't make them like that anymore. Yeah. Well, they really don't make them like this anymore. And the reason being the sheer cost of having to restage the Battle of Waterloo. Even back then, it was an epic. Probably thing cost to try more than do. the actual Battle of Waterloo. Oh, more than likely, yeah. Um, and they got, well, they used um, 17,000 extras in total, 15,000 soldiers on foot and 2,000 on horseback. And the reason they were able to do that, which even then it was, a, back in 1970, was a very difficult thing to do, was they did it um, in uh, Eastern Europe. So it was basically cheaper than trying to film it in Britain or France or Hollywood. Um, so it was Dino De Laurentiis who produced it. And, you know, you get that sort of, um, you know what you're getting when you hear it's a Dino De Laurentiis production. There'll be money spent on this somewhere along the line. Um, and this is a, again, if you're, if you like this sort of thing, marvellous. If you don't, you'll be yawning. But it recreates the Battle of Waterloo, um, which is a fascinating clash between <coughs> Wellington and Napoleon. Um, Rod Steiger plays Napoleon in this. Christopher Plummer plays the Duke of Wellington. There's a cameo by Orson Welles as Louis XVIII of France. You've got Jack Hawkins as General Thomas Picton, who's one of Wellington's right-hand men. And you've got uh, Virginia McKenna in it. And Dan O'Hurley, he plays Marshal Ney, who is one of the more famous uh, subordinates of Napoleon. <coughs> and they, so they really did recreate the entire Battle of Waterloo. It's, it's stirring incredible thing and as, as the Duke of Wellington memorably said at the time it was a very close run thing that battle but it changed the history of Europe because okay. Napoleon was finally defeated it's lavish it's historically accurate they trained the soldiers for months in advance to do everything that they would normally do in that era they were normal soldiers but they were re-drilled to use muskets and wear authentic uniforms and do all that kind of thing so 
Um, what a great way to while away the back end of an afternoon, if you like watching a battle unfold on your screens. Okay. Um, yeah, so it was made, as you mentioned there, by Dino De Laurentiis, and it wasn't a big hit for, for no. by any means. Uh, <clears throat> no. And apparently he blamed that on the actors. He oh. said they weren't famous enough. Right. And okay. uh, he's Christopher t- Plummer, who was, you know, Sound of Music about uh, eight or nine years earlier, or whatever it was. Yeah. So I would have thought most people have heard of him. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, and Rod Steiger, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite. Um, and and he, <clears throat> okay. he directed, um, amongst other things, um, he, uh, sorry, he produced, amongst yeah. other things, uh, he did um, the Hannibal Lecter sequels. Um, yes. So he didn't do Silence of the Lambs, but he did the, no, all he the did. follow-ups. He That's did right. Hannibal, Red Dragon, and Hannibal Rising. And King Kong, which is a massive hit in the 70s. <laughs> you know, the remake of King Kong, I think he was involved in. Uh, so I've completely misread that somewhere. No, I think you, yeah. you could. Yeah, no, he was. And the um, sequel to that in the in the 80s. There was a sequel oh, right. to that in the 80s. He did oh. both of those. Um, he <clears> did the Amateurville f- films, um, Halloween films. Uh, he was a producer, apparently, of he some went of those on for a while. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Yeah, um, <clears throat> and I think he was. Was he not involved with Dune? Yes, he was involved with the original Dune. Yes, from he was. You're right. He was definitely. So he did a did a he was involved in an awful credits. lot of movies. Yeah. I mean, it's such a long list of movies that he was a producer of. Um, but yeah, varied uh, stuff as well as you pointed out. And um, but I, I, I like Flash Gordon. Because, that was oh. him. Uh, yes, uh, slightly less historically accurate. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> from, great, a different, from a different universe. But great fun, but, nonetheless. Yeah, great fun, indeed. Okay, well, anyway, but that's anyway. Waterloo, yeah. which is uh, on 4.25pm, Great Movies Action, on Friday the 5th of November. We turn to Saturday the 6th of November, 9pm on Channel 5, The Full Monty. Yes, bit of a contrast from Waterloo to The Full Monty. 1997 movie. Um, a, a famous British comedy film directed by Peter Catanio. Um, the cast is an interesting one. It's one of those movies where we probably knew quite a few of the cast members before, but then after that they all started getting cherry-picked to do roles in Hollywood um, because uh, this film was such a success. So you've got Robert Carlyle, but you've also got Mark Addy, you've got Tom Wilkinson, and you've got Hugo Spear, amongst others. Mm-hmm. Um, the screenplay was written by Simon Befoy, who um, uh, went on to win an Oscar for um oh the, what about the uh, winning the lottery in uh, I've, I've, uh, it's gone the the million slumdog million that's the one that's the one thank winning you the like, somebody's how did i get that from yeah, winning, yeah. The winning the lottery it was who wants to be a millionaire wants to be a millionaire i was like somebody's granddad there going oh you know what's it called again yeah, yeah that one but my, i just remember he won the oscar for that my mum was like that she <clears> said <throat> that she really liked the thing by the the guy who was the james bond that time and then i realized oh, yeah. she eventually meant patrick stewart because she was thinking of Timothy, it was so, so many steps oh, removed, and it worked. So, like you, the film about yeah. the lottery, and then I got Slumdog Millionaire. I feel like I did, we're on the rear length. I mean, I did yeah. have one a few years ago. My mum-in-law said, uh, "Oh, I saw a film the other day. It's got that actor in it. What's his name?" And I went, "I don't know, Hugh Grant." And she went, "Yes, that's the one." I mean, <laughs> what what are the odds? On the- <laughs> so we brilliant. Clearly formed a bond. There. Yeah. Oh, no. Anyway, back to the film. Which yeah, the full Monty set in Sheffield in the 1990s. A story about six unemployed men four of whom are former steel workers and the steel mill has closed down and uh, they decide to form a male striptease act. And this is basically because they've seen the girls in the area lusting after the Chippendales. And they say, ours is going to be better because we're going to do the full Monty. We're going to take everything off. And, I, you know, if you've seen it, you remember pretty much what goes on. Yeah. It was such a funny and charming comedy. It had a budget of three and a half million. It made $250 million. That's a wonderful <coughs> return on that, isn't it? It's incredible, isn't it? <laughs> and it, it was just... 
sweet and funny and I guess they probably wouldn't get away with it now a lot of it was well not a lot of it but some of it would be probably, probably not pass the, the the correctness test anymore um, possibly not I don't think it's that bad no really. it's a great I mean, film you know I am um, I saw it's got heart they, there's a there's a, a musical um, of this that's been made and I saw it perform locally a couple of years ago and it is awful oh. so what they, so so when it was turned into a, a, a Broadway musical they changed the setting to America, so it's not set in Sheffield anymore. Oh, and also, okay. it would seem that they didn't buy the license or whatever they need to do to use the music that was from oh, the from okay. the movie. Yeah, because, because the music is often associated with that now. Well, you hear a song now, you're like, oh, the film Monday. Yeah, 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 yeah hot, hot stuff. Hot chocolate from, and all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and was it Donna Summer's hot stuff? That's Whenever right. you hear that, you always yeah. imagine them in the in, in the, the queue, queue. Yeah. clicking their fingers. Yeah, yeah. and and then um, uh, you, you can leave your hat on. Of course, the big song at the end. The time. Yeah. So they didn't have. So the musical wow. didn't have permission to use any of the songs. Might as well have not called it the Full Monty. So they just used they used original. So it's the same story, yeah. But it was um, a different setting and all original songs. And for me, that ruined it. Yeah. Because I thought I was waiting for those songs that I knew. Yeah, Yeah, that's part of the charm of it. And uh, it's oh, it's just fun. It's a lot of fun. But yeah, yeah, great soundtrack and um, and yeah, wonderful performances. And and given it's if you think about it, it's pretty bleak. Mm. But it's not. It's a film that actually has a bit of hope in it. Yeah, I mean, even though Robert Carlyle's character, I seem to remember, you know, he needs money because he has to pay some um, money to help his wife, who's living with someone else now, bringing up their kid, and she doesn't want to give him access to the kid because he's not paying child support. So it starts with a fairly bleak premise. And some of the other characters are troubled. One has lost his job. Uh, the other one's lost his sense of identity. Uh, the Mark Addy character, you know, and uh, she thinks at one point he's having an affair because she catches him with the things they wear on stage. And um, it's it's very sweet. You yeah, know, it's got a bit of depth to it. Yeah, no, it's 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 a really nice, a great example of a British comedy. We we it seem is. to be knocking them out quite quite well back mm. then. Yeah, you had four weddings and a funeral just a couple of years before. Yeah, yeah, we were on a bit of a run, I think, with the British comedies back yes. then. It was almost like the New Ealing, you know, the sort of ha- uh, funny but with heart. Yeah. Know, and- yeah. Representing our uh, our world quite well, I think. That's it. So that's the Full Monty, um, which is uh, from 1997. Wow. Oh, wow. Uh, 9pm on Channel 5, Saturday the 6th of November. We move to Sunday the 7th of November. And all oh, this is uh, this is on great movies because it is a great movie. 6.55pm, The Truman Show. Yes, The Truman Show. Yeah, that's 1998. So again, uh, well, uh, I seem to be time warped in there with some of my picks these days. It was a very good decade for making movies, I think, the 90s in general. So The Truman Show is an American psychological comedy drama, it's described as, uh, directed by Peter Weir. Um, it's got Jim Carrey in it as Truman Burbank. Now, he um, thinks his life is normal, but he actually grew up on um, a film set, on a TV set, as part of a TV programme. He's the only one who does not realise that he is in a TV show. Yeah, he has he's been adopted in a reality by the, TV show that yes. he doesn't know he's in. Yeah, and um, you've got Ed Harris running this show, and the, the show adopted Truman as a baby, um, saved him from some bleak life in, in theory, but now he's the star of a show without realising he's the star of the show. And everybody tunes in to watch him, except for a small, almost like a, like a resistance organisation that want to spring him from this world. So every now and again, there'll be clues. People try and sort of parachute messages in, or they try and hold up signs in the background to tell him that it's, uh, it's just a show. And they use um, psychological uh, tricks on him to make him not want to leave so there's constant advertising telling you how dangerous it is to travel the planes crash and people uh, drown in shipwrecks and i think um one of his i think it was maybe from memory i think his father's meant to have drowned and so he's got a fear of water and the the show really explores 
the, 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 in a humorous uh, way, the morality of imprisoning this guy in this world, and also whether he'll have the, the guts to try and get out of it when he's encouraged by a girl he falls for, because he's meant to fall for a, a cast member who is written into the show for him, um, but then he falls for a, um, a girl who's behind the scenes on the on the program um, in a in a minor role, um, and she is his motivation to possibly go and leave the world he's stuck in. So yeah, it's a good one. It's funny, and yeah. it's clever, and it's thought provoking. I think. Yeah, and and, <clears throat> and just think, this was back before reality TV really became a thing, you know. Yeah. So I think maybe Big Brother was around. By yeah, that's I don't true. know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure exactly when that began, but you're absolutely right. It was in its infancy. And it sort of predicted that cynical, well, we'll, we'll just use you to be entertainment. And uh, bear in mind, there's lots of debate about um, reality TV and the effect it has on people. And we've had people committing suicide and whatever. Big Brother uh, in the UK didn't start till 2000. So this was a couple of years before then. Um, but but it was in a way quite prophetic, really. Mm. You know, the way that it, it sort of... Um, showed yeah. how TV was heading in the yeah. direction. There was a film about a year or so afterwards, I don't know if you remember, called Ed TV, that had oh, Matthew yes. McConaughey, which was yeah. not a dissimilar premise, although I believe that in that he knew that he had cameras watching him 24-7. Oh, right. yeah. I think he'd agreed <clears throat> to do it for a TV show. That's that right, that rings a vague fun. bell. I'm sure I've seen that, but a long time ago, yeah. as well, obviously when it first came out. I directed by Ron Howard, it. and uh, <clears throat> it was based on a French uh, screenplay. Um, so, yeah, it was a French movie first, but... Mm. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey was was Ed, and it says here that um, a video store clerk agrees to have his life filmed by a camera crew for a television show, and it was just they followed him everywhere, doing everything. I think. Oh, there you go, twenty four seven. Yeah, well, quite. Yeah, but that's the Truman Show's the film that that Howard has chosen. Yeah. Sunday the seventh of November, six fifty five p.m. on Great Movies. Let's move to Monday the eighth of November. And uh, 9 p.m. on Film 4, you have chosen Last Orders. Yes, a curious little movie. Well, I said little movie. The cast is very impressive, but it's not a movie with huge uh, ambitions, if you like, to tell um, uh, you know, an epic story. Um, it's based on the Booker Prize-winning uh, novel of the same name by Graham Swift, uh, and it was written and directed by Fred Shepsey, who, from memory, did plenty, if you remember that one. I'm sure he uh, did plenty, but, um, you know... What was that? So are you, you, I was thinking that you meant he, he did several films when you said he oh, did plenty. He did plenty, like, yeah. uh, he's done loads, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah plenty of the movie, anyway. Right. But, uh, yeah, anyway, so uh, it, it, the cast is really impressive. It, it's basically the, the, the uh, I'll tell you about that in a moment, but the, the plot hinges on the final wishes of a dying man and people meeting up after he is gone, and then you realise the impact he's had on their lives. So... It's it's quite a in a sense it's a quite a small story, but it shows the impact that one man can have, and um, that man is Michael Caine, Jack Dodds, an East London butcher, and the rest of the cast includes um, his wife Amy, Helen Mirren. So this is this is back in the day when Helen Mirren wasn't contractually obliged to be in every movie, along with either you know either her or Judy Dench, <laughs> but um, but so we're not at peak Helen Mirren. This is twenty years ago, oh. and uh, she's very good in this, uh, and the others are. Um, a professional uh, gambler on the horses, uh, played by Bob Hoskins, that's Ray Johnson, um, and he fought beside Jack in World War Two and was his best friend ever since. And there is a former boxer called Lenny, who's played by David Hemmings, who had a, a bit of a gap between roles. He was quite big in the 60s and 70s and then seemed to come back again um, a little bit in the in the 90s. Uh, and the final... Um, actually, two, two more cast members, sorry. One, I absolutely love this actor... Tom Courtney, oh, yeah. the Undertaker. I think he's a fabulous actor. And the other one is Ray Winston, who plays Michael Caine's son. 
and he's a dealer of used luxury cars. And I, I probably you don't need to know any more than that, really. Just it's one to um, watch and just settle down and enjoy the performances. And uh, as I say, it doesn't have massive um, big story points to make. It's quite subtle, but I, I enjoyed this one, and I thought. Uh, I know what I'm like. I tend to pick things, you know, war movies, battles, that sort of thing. So I thought I'd give you something a little different. Okay. Um, yeah, the film, I hadn't come across it before myself. But, uh, but yeah, from 2001, uh, Last of Us, it sounds like it's got a charming, uh, charming story, great cast. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's on 9 p.m. On, at 9 p.m. on Film 4 on Monday the 8th of November. Let's move now to Tuesday the 9th of November. And uh, it's, I think, the latest, the most recent of the Mission Impossible films. Mission Impossible Fallout. Yes, a bit of a contrast to Last Order's a mega budget, uh, amazing cast. I think uh, Mission Impossible, uh, the rare um, situation where a franchise sort of improves over time. Yeah, I'd agree with that. They they really have kind of gone, right, okay, let's not, um, let's just... um, Take the formula, but but not make it go stale. So I really enjoyed this one. Uh, I like the fact that they get really good actors to do the, the roles. I mean, they obviously, um, they, they must pay them good money to get them there, but they look like they're having fun. It's yeah. a bit like a Bond film, in a way. Th- they are really, they're aren't they? a bit they? like that, but like an American Bond, Ethan Hunt, you know what you're mm. going to get with him. So he's in the IMF team. Um, not to be confused by MFI, who no. used to make furniture. Or, or the International Monetary Fund. Or the International Monetary no. Fund, no, who go out, who fearlessly go all around the world issuing loans to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, he, he teams up with um, a CIA assassin called August Walker to prevent a disaster of epic proportions. Um, there's a group of terrorists known as the Apostles. They are planning to use plutonium cores for a simultaneous nuclear attack on the Vatican, Jerusalem and Mecca. Um, I can't remember why. Who cares why? But they're, they're baddies and they're going to do matter, bad really. things. That you was know. a MacGuffin, wasn't it, basically? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, what, what the motivation is. Well, hey. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Ethan and his crew find themselves in desperate risk against time. Is it an it's impossible always... mission? That yes. The odds is... are against them. Yes, time's it, running it, out. Indeed. I think there's a clue in the title. It's yeah. an impossible mission. Uh, but anyway, it's um, produced and directed by Christopher McQuarrie, who I remember with um, great respect for having been involved in The Usual Suspects. I think he wrote it. Mm. which is a fabulous endorsement because yeah. that's a great piece of writing. Uh, it's the sixth instalment in the Mission Impossible series. Uh, the second one Macquarie did, he did Rogue Nation as well. Yeah. And the cast, get this, Tom Cruise, Ving Rames, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, who's always brilliant, I think, Sean Harris, Michelle Monaghan and Alec Baldwin, as well as Henry Cavill, Vanessa Kirby and Angela Bassett. And it's great fun, just, you know, sit down, settle, you know, pour a beer. Glass of wine, enjoy. And uh, and of course, the seventh one is on its way out soon. Again, yes. directed by Christopher McQuarrie and uh, featuring some of the same cast. Mm. Um, so uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's. I mean, one of the things I think they do really well with, with these movies is they they kind of build upon each one, but there's something there's a consistency to them. Yes, yeah, so the thread that runs through it, isn't yeah. there? But they are different. Yeah. yeah. And and yeah, you you know, to begin with as well, they had the, the directing was so different. So you had the first one which was Brian De Palma did it and you know, it was was very much very good, cl- I thought, classic yeah. it felt Cold War esque yes. even though it, it wasn't. Cold the opening War. sequence very much espionage, yeah. you know, misty and Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And yeah. building upon something of the the nostalgia for the original TV series. And then the, the second one, that was by John Woo, couldn't be more different. Yeah. It was all stylized slow mo, you know, pigeons or doves flying yeah. out, you know, and and, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and and you know, it was all like everyone had like long coats that flapped yes, around jump, in slow-mo. Jumping backwards to avoid a bullet in slow motion, that kind of thing. Yeah, all that, know, yeah. all that nonsense and then yeah. and then the next one um, which I think was JJ Abrams um, oh, yeah. and uh, and you know and, and they just each one looked different and mm. and and 
yet they they hit upon something. And I, I think you know Tom Cruise really is you know he's still at the top of his game after all these years. Yeah, he is. He's amazing. I mean, um, on, his on-screen uh, record is quite remarkable. He's had his ups and downs off-screen, but you you. You, you kind of know what you're going to get with him. You're going to get an entertaining film. He's very good at doing sci-fi movies as well, I tend to find. In fact, he rarely... He picks really good scripts he, to do. He very rarely plays a regular person. If you think about it, in most movies, he's either a historical figure, it's a yep. sci-fi type of thing. He plays somebody that's fantastical, you know, like in the Mission yep. Impossible things. The, the only thing I could think of in, in, in his history that he did where he was just a, an ordinary Joe was War of the Worlds. Where he played a bloke oh, yeah. who was who was a single dad, wasn't he? Or he yes, that's right. Yeah, the, the divorced single father, and yeah. yeah, had the kids at weekends yeah. or something. Yeah. He was just an everyday bloke. That, I, I joke with my daughter about that because it's very funny. And, and when you watch a Hollywood movie, that is an archetype. That the role he played on that, you see it lots in movies. He's the deadbeat dad, right? And what usually happens is the mum turns up quite often with the new husband. And she drops the kids off and says something like, you know, try not to kill them over the weekend. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, she's really nagging me. But he has no food in the house. Yeah. So, so the girl has to dial in. Um, you know, in real life, he'd be an absolute disaster. But on a movie, apparently, it's, uh, it's endearing. Yeah. Uh, you know, and she's the, she's the really moany mum who might want him to actually put the kids to bed at some point, feed them and maybe make sure they wash. Yeah. You know. But then, anyway, so so Mission Impossible Seven is out early next year. Right, Mission <clears throat> Impossible Eight is currently being made. Wow, um, I, I think they must have made them back to back. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, yeah. And and yeah, so you know, this is a a series that will go on. And oh, I guess yeah. as well, he will now overtake Roger Moore because if you if you compare them to the Bond films, Roger Moore did seven of those, and this is oh. a franchise that that where now Tom Cruise will have played that same character eight times. Makes you think, doesn't it? Yeah, and, uh, they and, don't they don't seem to hang about when they they no want to make something they go ahead and do it fairly quickly my only real thing with him where i thought it was a misstep but even then he was quite good in it was the jack reacher films yeah um because again he's not really normal jack reacher in that no but he has and tom cruise has self-confidence to play he's five foot seven and he plays a six foot eight guy (laughs) (laughs) beating everybody up but even they're quite good yeah yeah they're quite entertaining i mean but but even when watching that you sort of i remember there's one bit where where a load of like young rednecks in the bar he sort of they tell him to go outside and then he says right you know be careful for now because yeah. I'm going to hurt you and in that moment you do believe that not only could he hurt them but he did hurt yeah, them yeah and I mean when okay there was probably a little bit of stunt work involved but he tends to do his own stunts anyway and that fight scene's quite convincing it's all about um, you know reacting faster and hitting people in the right part to do them some serious damage yeah. so you believe it you don't think oh this is just silly and there's no one who does better on screen running than Tom Cruise he, I think he insists on it doesn't yeah. he he has to be running in yeah. his, uh, it's in his contract somewhere yeah but yeah. but also amongst all those actiony films, those those simple blockbuster Saturday night movies, you don't really want to think a lot about. It. You just want to oh, go yeah. and enjoy. Uh, in and around those, he also does some wonderful things. Where you know, the Born on the Fourth of July, a few oh, good yes. men. Yeah. You know, um, he, he he throws in some wonderful performances in, in other movies that that actually show that he can act as well as definitely running. Yes. In yeah, no, he can. He definitely people. can act. And I think um, bearing in mind, he's always probably going to be the star the leading man at least certainly until he gets too old for that but uh, he, he has proved his acting chops in for as the long past. as he can still run I guess he'll mm. they'll still he'll still make movies yeah uh, but there you go that's um, that's the <laughs> Mission Impossible Fallout yeah. at 9pm on 4-7 on Tuesday the 9th of November Let's go to Wednesday the 10th of November, 11.15pm on BBC Two. We can't have Howard doing the film guide without a war film somewhere along the line. I'm sorry, I did try, but uh, it's quite often to find one good movie in 24 hours that I can recommend that I've either seen and thought was good. It's fine. Um, so but, this one's Journey's End. Yeah, so this one, it, 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 it certainly represents war. It is the opposite of the way 
Um, Waterloo presents a battle in all its sort of gore and glory. There's no glory in Journey's End. Um, it's a famous play from 1928 originally. It's been adapted several times. Um, it uh, This one is a 2017 adaptation. It's a very good one. Um, and it's got a um, it's a premise basically about a young lad who's quite idealistic who signs up to go to the First World War, to go to the trenches, and he wants to be under the command of his old schoolmate, a guy called Stanip, who knows his sister. And so it's, you know, you can imagine you go after what you want to be with your mate. Unfortunately, he's arriving just as the Germans are starting their spring offensive, the one that's going to be pretty much unstoppable, and everybody knows it. So you've got this group of soldiers living in these terrible conditions in the trenches, knowing that um, what's to come uh, is not going to be good and they're probably not going to survive it. And it shows the stress and strain they were under. Um, and I think it, what I liked about it is it's very realistic. There's very little glory. There's an awful lot of pressure on them and it's very well acted. Um, so it's it's worth a worth a look, really, I think. Okay, yeah. And um, it's got a good cast as well. I yeah. mean, you mentioned there Sam uh, Claflin, uh, Paul Bettany, Stephen Yeah, Paul Bettany's good in this. He plays Uncle, as they call him. He's a lieutenant. He's a little bit older. Okay. Um, also, just looking at other names that I recognise, um, Asher Butterfield, um, who currently is enjoying success in sex education. Yes, he is, yeah. Um, he, he's there. Toby Jones, because it's a British film, so yeah, he's got to be in there somewhere. compulsory, Toby. Him or Olivia Colman. He's got the negatives on yeah, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Miles Jump, no more for sort of like Radio 4 and comedy stuff, but mm. uh, but he's in there as well, because he's posh, I suppose. So yes, probably. He can play a, yeah. yeah, Captain Hardy. Yeah, that sounds... Mm. There you go. Right. He's not going to be playing a corporal, is he? No, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> anyway, that's Journey's End. Uh, yeah. That's how... Worth a choice. Bleak, but worth a watch. Wednesday, the 10th of November, 11.15pm on BBC Two. We move to Howard's final choice for the film guide this time round. And we have on uh, Thursday, the 11th of November, Alpha Dog. Uh, it's on 12.40am, so technically wee small hours of Friday morning. Mm. But uh, but Alpha Dog on great movies action. Yes, I don't know if you're familiar with this one. I, I stumbled across no. it a few years ago, almost by accident. I think I picked up a cheap DVD and thought I'd watch it. Um, and it's, uh, it's based on a true story, which I didn't realise at first. So this is a true story, and, and I'll, the, the film covers it quite well, but the plot revolves around the fact that some young people who are dealing some drugs in America um, fall out. Now, they're not proper gangsters. They're not um, constantly shooting each other. So it's not that bleak, not like The Wire or something like that. This is more of a suburbia-type thing where people are quite normal. And at one point, one character owes another character some money. So the guy who's owed the money decides it might be a good idea to sort of kidnap his younger brother, who's a, a kid of about 16. That's often um, not a good idea. Not really, but he thinks at the time, you know, what could possibly go wrong? Anyway, but this happened in real life. And what the interesting part of the plot is, <clears throat> they they sort of kidnap him, and I use that word deliberately because it just means he ends up hanging out in their house with a bunch of other people who are older than him, cooler than him, smoking dope, drinking, and there's pretty girls there. And he's actually thinking, this is pretty good. And they let him just wander around. So it's not like they're beating him up or tying him up. And um, he doesn't like life at home at the moment anyway, so he's more or less happy to stay. And this drags on for a while until you get to the point where the bloke who's done the kidnapping starts to sort of get a bit of legal advice and a little bit of thoughts from, you know, his dad who's a bit crooked. Mate, you could get life for this. You've kind of, you've kind of kidnapped him, so if this looks like a kidnap, this isn't good. So now the dilemma is, do we let him go or do we kill him? Mm. Even though we get on with him and he's a good lad and everyone likes him and he's a youngster and we've, we've sort of taught him how to roll a joint and have a beer and sleep with a girl and you know all this kind of thing so all this is going on it's like a <coughs> you know life affirming experience for him and at the end of it how are they going to let him go and I guess it spoils it to tell you what happens but it's a real life case it's called the movie's called Alpha Dog um, Justin Timberlake's in it actually he's very good 
because uh, he's not a bad actor. Anton, Anton Yelchin from the Star Trek franchise. Oh, the yes. Late Alchon, uh, Anton Yelchin, sorry. Yeah. Um, Olivia Wilde's in it. Amanda Seyfried's in it. Um, Harry Dean Stanton, who was brilliant in everything he ever did. Sharon Stone and Bruce Willis are in it, briefly. Um, but, it, yeah, the fact it's based on a true story makes it more poignant. And um, just says, I think it can escalate, really. And, you know, the, there's, there's people doing long prison sentences for what happened in this film. And I shall leave it at that. But check it out. It's worth a watch. Okay, yeah, directed by uh, Nick Cassavetes, yes. who uh, is... is uh, well, he, he's, he's the brother of John Cassavetes, and they've done a lot of independent cinema over the years. Oh, no, sorry, the son of John Cassavetes, I Yeah, say. I was going to say, and, yeah. and he's, he's kind of done a lot of acting, but yes, but, um, but yes he's, he's directed a few movies as well. Mm. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that's, um, that's Howard's final choice for the film guide for another week. Uh, that's Alpha Dog on Great Movies Action, 12.40am, Thursday the 11th, and the, well, probably the Friday, but you know, it's the very late night on the Thursday. And that brings us to uh, an end for another edition of the film guide. Uh, which of those movies would be your film of the week? If there's well, only one that we could watch on... Yeah, whether you've TV. seen it or not, The Full Monty. Really, it's just joyful. <laughs> okay, there you go. The full Monty then is Howard's choice. Uh, that that the, that's his film of the week. If you can see no, if you can only watch one this week, watch that one. Even if you've seen it before, that's what he said. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, Pleasure. N- next week it's uh, Chris Aikman and Sam uh, back on the film guide. Uh, Howard, you'll be around in about a month's time because that's how this rolls, really. Well, I'll have time to do a PhD in the next uh, four weeks. So. Uh, Damn, probably. What, with the speed with which you <laughs> knock a book out, I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, <laughs> I'll, right. I'll write a book instead.